0: My name is Terry Messenger, and I work with high achievers that have an innate sense that they are called to impact the world. Hi, hi, hi and welcome welcome to my genius zone where I bring forward coaches practitioners therapists and people from all over the world who have a gift and so the person we are going to bring on tonight has got a specific gift that I don't know anybody else actually at this point of time, who does the same work as himself. Now, this is a gentleman by the name of Gary Coles. He is a consultant from Release Hypnotherapy and founder of the Association of Hypno-Oncology. Yes, you heard that right. Hypno-Oncology. He's also known to be a lecturer, broadcaster, and an up-and-coming author. So this man is going to come forward and talk on this topic tonight and with no further ado, I'd like to introduce uh, Gary Coles and thank you for joining us, Gary. Hi,
1: thanks for inviting me, Terry, and hi from the UK, as as you can probably spot from my accent.
0: Absolutely. That was going to be my first (laughs) question. So you actually beat me to the post. So which part of the UK are you from, Gary? Uh,
1: I'm about um, 30 miles um, southwest of London, a little place uh, called Farnham. It's on the Hampshire-Surrey border. But uh, but, uh, that's that's the most famous. It's it's pretty near London.
0: That's amazing. That's so good. So you're right over there on the other side of the world. And, you know, I just want to say thank you for coming on board. And and I, I guess the topic that we are talking about tonight is, and I would love you to, to really open it up, um, is on the hypno-oncology and what you actually do for people, because I guess when you think of oncology, um, we're talking um, people that are suffering from cancer um and and that kind of disease is that right Gary
1: that's correct yep
0: yep and I mean there is just way 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 too much of it going on in the world and you know I believe that obviously we're not allowed to say that we heal or cure or do anything as a medical practitioner but let's hear about your very very unique gift because obviously you know you've done a lot of research around this and you know being one of the first practitioners in Europe uh, to actually gain this kind of a, a status as a clinical you know hypnotherapist in oncology can you talk to us about that like what do you do
1: First of all, I'll give you a little bit of background uh, on hypno-oncology, uh, or even on cancer itself, because um, a lot of people don't realise. I mean, we okay. We're going through a COVID epidemic at the moment, or pandemic. Uh, and to me, cancer is the real pandemic. A lot of people don't realise that uh, um, in the Western world, since 1960. Um, 1 in 2 people born since 1960 will be affected by cancer in their life, it's uh, it's a lot more than people think. Um, 1 in 7 women will get breast cancer, 1 in 8 men will get prostate cancer, Uh, bowel cancer affects 1 in 15 men, 1 in 18 women, Uh, lung cancer 1 in 13 men, 1 in 15 women, so that's a huge huge amount. Uh, And research shows that 20% of the the population, only 40% of people undergoing cancer uh, will seek out complementary therapies. So that, that, theoretically, twenty percent of the population is a market for our help. Mm. Now, the idea, the, the idea also is this has now got worse because of COVID. Uh, in the UK, we've got a backlog of about a quarter of a million people that have uh, had their diagnosis delayed. Um, in countries like Canada, I've heard there's delays of up to a year now for for cancer treatments, uh, and and that's uh, going to have a big psychological impact because obviously one of the things that is known is that. Um, early diagnosis and early treatment is the best thing you can do with somebody suffering from cancer. So, uh, you know, again, that's going to have a real psychological sort of fallout with people where we can get involved. Now, people say, what can we do with hypnotherapy? Is it useful um, with cancer? Um, There are some research papers. I'm very much into uh, empirical research and and so on. Um, A couple of research papers, there was one in 2003 by Flemer and Bogarts. They did a meta-analysis of 57 random controlled studies of palliative care hypnosis uh, and they concluded that it was very effective for many disorders that cancer patients uh, encounter. Um, There was a new uh, research done by Sharma in 2017 and that was a literature review of 55 papers and looking at the clinical benefits of uh, hypnosis for cancer patients and said that it benefited patients both physically and psychologically. So there's a lot of research out there uh, a common area we work with is pain control. Pain control is, is the most um, sought-after complementary therapy for hypnosis, um, so, so that's a big thing. Um, so, so, first of all, so hypno-oncology is, is working with people going through the cancer journey. Uh, and as you mentioned, it isn't curing cancer, it isn't healing cancer, so, but I'll come on to that a little bit later. Um, I'll sort of of perhaps give you a little bit about my background, so, you know, why I'm talking about this rather than... than Yeah, yeah, that'd
0: be great.
2: Yeah, I mean,
1: I've been a full-time hypnotherapist for over 16 years now. Um, um, But one of the things I've done is I also work in a cancer unit uh, as well uh, as a hypnotherapist. Uh, I'm one of the few people that the NHS actually contract in the UK. Um, I've worked in a cancer unit for over 15 years, nearly 16 years. Um, In that time, the hospital have sent me on lots of specialist training courses for cancer. Um, I also worked with several thousand cancer patients, so over the years I've perfected the approaches that work with them, uh, tested various things and so on. And uh, also, I was actually in the first cohort in the UK to actually be awarded a master's degree in clinical hypnosis. Uh, And one of the things I had to do for that was uh, research and a dissertation. And decided to make it really difficult for myself, and I decided I wanted to do medical research uh, as part of that. Um, So I became became inducted into the breast cancer multidisciplinary team at the hospital for a year, um, going to all the um, diagnosis meetings, the treatment planning meetings, the surgery planning meetings, and so on. Uh, And I actually did a a dissertation and paper. Um, I did uh, research into pre-surgical hypnosis and the effects that had on the recovery quality in breast cancer operations. Uh, and I concluded that it was beneficial. Uh, I knew in what ways, how and why. Uh, and that, I think, has probably got me on the map a little bit <laughs> since then. Um, I started finding people found out about it. So I was getting emails uh, asking me uh, about it. Um, then I did a couple of podcasts. so I was getting more emails. Then I was doing international podcasts. Uh, and then that resulted into sort of where things are now. A lot of people said to me, oh, you need to put training courses together. Uh, to teach hypnotherapists and doctors and psychologists how to, to work with patients, yes. uh, which eventually did. did. Um, uh, initially, I thought there wasn't a, a lot of call for it, but uh, then I started, I got invited to present on the subject at a couple of UK, in, uh, um, a couple of, uh, UK conferences, and that escalated, and, and since then, I've done conferences all over the world. Uh, and since then, I put a course together, courses together, training together, both online, and live and and since then up until covid i've been teaching that all around the world uh in, in sort of Middle um, wow. east U- europe and the uk uh, and what is encouraging to me is that the course originally was aimed at hypnotherapists getting them more involved in, in the cancer arena um but what's encouraging to me is the last few courses i did I, the last two i did i did one in belgium and one in bahrain and the one in Bahrain um, was entirely psychologists rather than hypnotherapists, and the one in Belgium, fifty percent of the delegates were doctors rather than hypnotherapists. Yes. So, so, yep. so yes.
2: certainly
1: more out there in the medical fraternity. Because I like to present it as empirically based, evidence based research.
0: Absolutely scientific. scientific. And I, I, look, I absolutely agree. I, I mean, I did my um, clinical hypnosis back in 2011 in Sydney. And I remember being practically one of the only lay people in the room. People were either um, chiropractors, dentists, or, you know, they were in some kind of a medical profession. And, you know, what I really, what, what I do know, Gary, and that's why I really believe in your work, is that the whole body and a person's whole life is governed by their central nervous system, the subconscious mind. So it stands to reason. If, if I, I mean, it's not my niche. I don't, I don't deal with that specific niche. And, you know, I, I feel that that is, there's a huge calling on that. However, as a person who is really, really passionate about helping people overcome their, their, their traumas and their stresses and their blocks and their limitations and, and, their, and their, you know, their body issues um, to get to success, I know very well that when we biohack, the subconscious, that is when, you know, things can, we can bypass that logic so easily, naturally and effortlessly. I've got a question that I know my viewers would be really, really interested in hearing the answer to. And I know my mum, who um, actually has been a successful um, person who has really combated against cancer, Um, She refused to go down that path of um, radiation and chemotherapy. And she is a miracle. And I do believe um, she has that special element within herself where her faith and what she believes in has really allowed her to be the miracle that she is today. But I know that the question... Um, that a lot of people are going to want to know the answer for is this. What do you believe? If you were going to tap into one specific client that you really impacted, right, a person who obviously was in pain, who was sick, um, who was suffering, where you actually came in and you helped them, you know, exponentially, or whatever word you'd like to put on it, in a in a fabulous way, where they really um, moved forward. Like we know that it can be done with the subconscious. Can you um, tell us the story about someone you've actually impacted that way, and what was happening for them, and what you did?
1: Uh, yeah, I, I can. I can think of off, off the top of my head. Um, this was uh, a, a young lady that I actually worked with um, that I saw a few years ago. Well, I, I saw her last time about eighteen months ago, but originally it was a few years ago. Um, she was quite quite a young lady um, with a very um, very active lifestyle. She was into things like parachuting and all those those types of things. And um, <clears throat> the first time I came across her uh, was actually as an inpatient in a hospital bed. Um, in great pain, so much pain that even with medication, she couldn't sleep. Uh, Now, the story behind how she got to that stage uh, was she'd been diagnosed with colon cancer and she was told that it was going to be keyhole surgery uh, and it shouldn't be too bad and she'd be back up in in no time. Uh, Anyway, it uh, transpires that she went for surgery. Um, They started doing the keyhole surgery and realised that the cancer had spread far, far more than they were expecting. Uh, they then had to perform a colostomy on her. They had to remove the entire colon uh, to get actually everything to remove it that they needed to. And um, they had to break all her ribs. Um, so uh, that was where a lot of the pain was coming from. Uh, when she'd actually come around uh, from actually having all this done, um, they decided that there was still remnants of it. So they decided that she needed quite heavy duty um, chemotherapy. Uh, unfortunately, she reacted very, very badly uh, to the, to the chemotherapy. And she flatlined three times. So essentially she died three times and had to be resuscitated. Um, Again, that causes quite a lot of trauma on the body, um, being resuscitated. Um, And that was the first time I met her. She'd been resuscitated for the third time. She was in huge amounts of pain, uh, couldn't sleep, even uh, with medication. Uh, and I was brought in um, to her hospital bed to try and deal with the pain initially, uh, deal with the anxiety and stress because obviously she'd gone from expecting keyhole surgery to being uh, dying three times and having all her ribs broken. Um, so that that was my initial meeting with her. So I did work with her uh, on pain relief, um, de- de-stressing, coming to terms with what was going on, and, and to help her sleep. Uh, then going further forward, again we we started doing work on. Um, a guided visualization on healing uh, and that type of thing, and also again helping further with the sleep and um, pain control. Um, then she was discharged from hospital, and but still coming to see me on various aspects of, of dealing with the, with the trauma, uh, the life changes going forward. Um, sleep was now fine, and there was a lot, lots of other things around looking at side effects of some of the treatment that she was having. Um, and this all went on, so I'd worked with her for quite a while, and then then I didn't see her again. And the last time I saw her was 18 months ago. Uh, Well, she came to see me as a private patient uh, at my private practice rather than the hospital. And she'd actually come to me for consultation sessions on improving her triathlon performances. Um, So that, that I think, was a big success. That has gone from somebody dying three times, um, uh, having all her ribs broken and so on, down to improving her triathlon performances.
0: Oh, my gosh. So what do you think was the linchpin of her that happening for her?
1: I I think it was a lot of things. It was a lot of different approaches because obviously we were dealing with a lot of different issues. We were dealing with the the trauma of obviously being resuscitated. We were dealing with a lot of pain. We were dealing with sleep issues. So so I don't think it was any particular one thing. I think it was just a lot of things and a lot of work we'd done over a a space of a couple of years together to, to actually address the different issues going forward.
0: Yes, yes, that, that is absolutely incredible. So, you know, when you're actually helping these people, you, do you feel that it's actually the, um, is it the visualization? Is it the bypassing of the, the logic through to the subconscious? Um, is it the deep relaxation? What do you feel is the reason that really Helps
1: these people so tremendously. It can be a lot of things. I mean, guided visualization can be very good for people. Um, I, okay, one of the things that, that that you mentioned at the beginning, which I will re, sort of restate, is is we do not treat the cancer itself. Uh, what hypno oncology isn't, it isn't regression to cause or a cure, um, because people are very desperate when they're going through a cancer journey. Uh, and they will jeep anything that they think that can help them. I, you, you only have to look at adverts on social media, you know, people offering cures for cancer by a way of prayer for lots of money or potions and this sort of thing. Um, and one of the things that I'll say now is, well, we, we have a cancer act in the UK, a 1939 cancer act, which says that you cannot offer a remedy. You cannot treat cancer. You cannot offer advice on cancer treatment uh, unless you're a doctor. Uh, and there's a couple of good reasons for that, and uh, 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 it's quite worrying. I saw some um, some statistics recently um, from the states, the American Society of Clinical Oncology, and they interviewed 4,000 adults, and 25% of those had cancer. Uh, and it was surprising to me that 40% of them agreed that cancer could be cured by oxygen, diet, and herbs, and nothing else. Uh, and and almost oh. like half of them. Uh, thought cancer could be cured by complementary therapies and nothing else. Um, mm-hmm. really worrying because uh, one of the things, and okay, some people just want to go down that route. But the other thing that they need to understand is that actually, if you actually shun normal treatment and go through the complementary therapy route alone, it actually doubles the death rate. Uh, and if it's an early state cancer, um, the death rate is six times higher. So um, by by telling somebody to go down a complementary route and shun treatment, you're you can effectively in early stage cancer sign a death warrant. So it's very unethical to to do. Um, mm-hmm. So everything is going to be based on scientific evidence and so on. Um, but coming so back, I hear
0: that. I, I hear that. So you're very pro, obviously, oncology treatment like chemotherapy, radiation, and those elements. Um,
1: yeah. I, 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 my my opinion is people, uh, you know, I I, I the hypnotherapy the oncology side. So I, I say that hypno oncology is hypnotic interventions for the cancer journey. So so not for the cancer itself. Um, so I would always say is you follow the guide from your surgeon, your oncologist, your medical professionals. That that's what they're there for. You know, that they're, mm-hmm. they're the people the treatment uh, process regime and so on they the people to listen to and follow. You know, obviously, I can't advise you either way, but that would be my advice, is that they're the experts, yeah. though, and, and I'm an adjunct to that. So I, I'm helping you through the journey. Uh, so the things mm-hmm. we work with is obviously from the initial diagnosis, so that, that causes a lot of psychological fallout, as you can imagine. So we would work with all that type of thing. Uh, fears and phobias, um, quite often, Uh, People might have fears about needles. They might be going into scanners. Uh, A big area of uh, phobia is actually claustrophobia. um, With head and neck, for example, um, with radiotherapy, Um, they have to be very, very still. So what happens with there is they actually cast a mask over the face with two nostril holes, two eye holes. It's very tight-fitting, and they bolt them down to the table uh, with it. That causes an awful lot of people to freak out. (laughs) we deal with those types of things Uh, then we deal with um, hypnosis because uh, my own research has shown that make a a big difference in the recovery quality in people Um, then obviously pain control Um, but another big area um, with uh, hypnosis is all the side effects helping to alleviate side effects of treatment um, because a lot of treatments such as chemotherapy and radiotherapy does ha- potentially have a lot of side effects in people uh, so again mm-hmm. we can help with all the side effects of things going through um, and there's also experimental areas which if you like we're coming on to is although we can't treat the cancer as such we can do experimental work and some people find that the idea of guided visualization in fighting cancer please it could be also beneficial physically but there isn't the evidence there to back that up so therefore we've got to say that there is no evidence and theoretically we're not allowed to say that we're treating the cancer but if if that's helping the person psychologically that they think they're fighting it with their mind then there's nothing wrong in my opinion in doing that as long as that the patient understands and
2: yeah. it's
1: beneficial uh, but the area that is known uh, a lot uh, about the and i'll only say i call it pni for short but i'll say it properly once is psychoneuroimmunology, uh, and that is the, the study of how emotions and feelings can affect the immune system. Uh, and there's a lot of scientific evidence that the immune system can be regulated, downregulated, and modified by feelings and emotions. And as hypnotherapists, that we can influence feelings and emotions. Um, so therefore, the theory behind that, or, or that it is the fact that we can uh, alter the makeup of the immune system using hypnotherapy. Uh, Now, again, that can be useful in the cancer journey because obviously the immune system is quite often compromised. Uh, So we we can actually assist with doing work on that. Uh, And again, as an experimental sort of adjunct, but again, it's something that I find a a lot of clients require or a lot of patients require.
0: I think that's absolutely a profound statement right there because, you know, I, I know Deepak Chopra said it like this, that your the cells of your body are eavesdropping on your thoughts so when they actually did a study about you know people that were terminal and there was a group of people that were you know extremely they were really going down that that aisle of 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 being positive and uplifted and feeling good And obviously bringing a lot of love, a lot of forgiveness and a lot of those elements um, that are, we know, so much bitterness and all of those things um, are not good for the body, you know. And what they did was they noticed that the group of people that let go and forgave and released a lot of their bitterness and unforgiveness and and just had that love because you know even water changes apparently under a microscope um, they actually went on to have better outcomes than the group of people that basically were stuck in that kind of mindset of fear and and all of those kind of elements And when Deepak Chopra was doing, you know, the studies, he discovered that whilst cells may change in the body, if the thoughts don't change, then the cells are kind of coming back and then getting affected by the thoughts. So I can see how powerful emotions can actually impact the immune system. So you've got a big week next week, Gary. Um, right, yeah. you've, got, <laughs> you've got lots and lots of podcasts, and um, you, I know you're going to be part of the HypnoBiz because so am I. And it's like it never rains, but it pours, right?
1: Yeah, and it's, a, yeah. it's a shame that HypnoBiz is going to be online though again this year, as it was last year. I'm, I went to the year before, and. Uh, I have great memories of a yacht party up, uh, on uh, going around the Statue of Liberty, which was very, very nice, <laughs> which, okay. which we can't do, which we can't do uh, uh, online. <laughs>
0: yes, yes. Well, I, I was actually in Queensland and I took a small group of people over there and I was actually one of the... Um, uh, worldwide speakers so i was very privileged but i'll be one of the speakers next week as well and that comes right on the heels of a launch so um tell me about what you'll be speaking about at the um hypno can you give us a little bit of a, uh, a tip
1: yeah. I will be talking on the subject that we're talking about here um but probably going into a little bit more depth um but because one of one of the things that I find is very important, um, if you're going to work with cancer patients, particularly in hospital, um, the the patient is going to think you're another expert, uh, you know. Because if you're based in a hospital, as I am, um, they're, they're a cog in a wheel. So they'll see their oncologist, they'll see their surgeon, they'll see the chemotherapy nurse, all these people, and they might see me on the same day. And because I'm at the hospital, I'm considered to be an expert, the same as though those people uh, in in their mind. Um, So they they will come in to see me. They will book an appointment. They'll come in to see me. They'll be clutching their notes. And they'll say, oh, you know, I've got um, sort of a carcinoma of, uh, you know, of of the breast, stage four, I'm on this treatment, Uh, you know, might be Herceptin and this, that and the other. Uh, And unless you understand what they're talking about, if you start looking at them completely blankly, you're going to lose a lot of rapport, a lot of credibility. Um, So one of the things that I teach in my courses, but I, I sort of in great depth, that uh, I touch on in, in sort of my lectures uh, or sort of shorter lectures is giving people a background on cancer so they understand the ter- some things about the terminology, the staging, the grading, how it's formed, how it's treated, what the likely side effects are and things like that. Um, because A, it's very important that, that you understand that for dealing with the patients because they will expect you to know that uh, and it's also going to give you greater credibility when you're dealing with medical staff, you know, clinical staff and medical staff. So I'm going to be talking a little bit about that uh, and also a little bit of, uh, about the advantages of using hypnotherapy in a hospital environment with cancer patients uh, and also looking at the, the sort of types of interventions that we can actually do with cancer patients. Uh, and obviously, that's all going to be compressed into a very small space of time, uh, whereas I, I do offer, obviously, live training courses, which aren't happening this year, sadly. I mean, the, uh, I did actually do one at uh, the second hypnobiz, actually, in New York. Um, I, I did a hypno-oncology course for them there. Um, but so at the moment, sadly, we're just uh, down to online courses. We have up courses available. But uh, uh, other than that, I, I'm sort of raring to get back out there and teach again live when I can. Because obviously, oh, you must so teaching teach in half an hour, an hour. So we have one and two day courses that I, I actually present live, which I, I'll just love to get back to doing. And
0: there's nothing like the human connection, really. And it's, it's it's interesting how you said to me um, backstage um, the delay that is happening in um, so many um, of the diagnosis for cancer patients yeah. because of the COVID crisis, and I, I just feel that that is absolutely appalling. That you know you've got this big backlog because. Of this, what's going on in the world? So, I guess you know what is the, I guess what is the light that we can give our viewers? Like, if someone was out there now, and if they're going through a treatment, or they're suffering in pain, or they're, you know, whatever their journey is, um, what would you say to them, Gary? Uh,
1: if we're looking at the patient, it depends on, on who they are in the journey and, and what's required. Uh, I mean if we turn it back back around slightly from the practitioner point of view, um, one, of, one of the reasons that uh, I started doing my training courses um, was that I, I know a lot of very high-level hypnotherapists, a lot of very well qualified, um, very experienced hypnotherapists. Um, but it was surprising uh, out of all those hypnotherapists, how many people, because they knew the area that I'm involved in, um, they're suddenly faced with a, a family member or a close friend uh, that is suddenly diagnosed with cancer or going through the cancer journey. Uh, and all, it's, in, it's almost as though their training and their experience goes out the window. Uh, they suddenly become powerless and hopeless, thinking, well, oh, you know, I've got this family member, you know, husband, wife, father, mother, child or, or whatever, that have been diagnosed with cancer. Well, what can I do? What can I do? What, what can I do? Things like that. Uh, and, and that's really where the course came about, is to, to empower practitioners to be able to do that, to give them the confidence, to give them the background in the cancer journey and to understand the cancer journey, uh, to understand the techniques that I've perfected and the approaches that I use and so on. Um, but the, fir- the first thing I would say to them is, is because the, the number one question that I get from them is what can I do for, for my patient?" Uh, and, and it sounds a, a bit of a strange answer and almost a, a, a get out, but it's the same as you would with any other patient or client. I say the first thing is have asked them what they would like you to do for them. And and it can be, you
2: know,
1: there's no use in going in and doing pain control with them if they're in no Um, pain. If they're having a side effect for some treatment, then work with the side effect. If they're anxious or worried about it, deal with that. If they're phobic about going into a scanner, deal with that. It's really, it's be be very patient-led.
2: and. and,
0: Do you actually find that, sorry to interrupt you there, but I just wanted to capture that right there. Um, that's a really good point because what you've just said is that you're really meeting the patient where they're at. It's not yeah. just uh, one size fits all. I love that. So if they're if they're in fear or if they're in pain or if they're, you know, whatever it is that is going on for them. So is there a, a, a particular process that you would utilise that actually does help um, just, I guess, bring that that sense of peace and um, just that, that, that feeling to the, the patient or the person that they can feel. Because I'm sure, I mean, I know actually as a, you know, a, a clinical hypnotherapist myself very, very well that when people have the peace that surpasses all understanding. It's interesting how much more resources they have. Mm. So, is there a specific, um, you know, process that you do utilize with them? It's
1: where they are in the journey and, and what the what the thing is. Uh, for example, I, I teach a lot of what I call rapid interventions, uh, which would be for people perhaps just being diagnosed, having a panic attack, anxiety attacks. You know, going into Scanners and things like that, so there'll be a number of techniques that we would use with, with that, from sort of using submodality techniques, breathing techniques, uh, bilateral stimulation techniques. Uh, there's a lot of things that you can do on that which would just stabilize and that, that, to me, the number one thing to do with a cancer patient in front of you is stabilization. a number yeah. um, off doing silly stuff, stabilization that is the first thing you need is a stable patient in front of you before you can do anything else at all. Um, and then as far as, as dealing with the other stuff, again, yes, some of it can be done with just guided visual, visualisation. You can do peaceful things like that. Um, or there might be some more in-depth things that we've that we, uh, required. I mean, I, I find parts therapy to be quite, uh, a very good way of going. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I've got my own version of it because I also find that parts therapy can be quite lengthy. It can be not very tidy um so uh, and again one of the other things you're going to be constrained with cancer patients particularly in a hospital environment is time you're going to be very constrained on time you know if i'm doing private patients i do typically an hour but up to an hour and a half for an initial session uh with hospital in hospital i'm lucky if i get 45 minutes so everything's got to be really distilled down um so the way that i work with with parts therapy is I, i've got a. Uh, it's actually a hybrid. It's not true parts. I, I've got a hybrid which is um, parts therapy and ego state therapy combined, uh, but it's done in a very authoritarian manner, uh, so that the patient doesn't have the any. Parts? Hmm?
0: The 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 parts where you, on one hand you've got the pain, and then on the other hand you've got the
1: the nirvana, that sort of thing. Again, um, I, I it very. I use it for a lot of things, but it depends. It's very authoritarian. Um, so the patient doesn't have any wriggle room. Um, yeah, it, a lot of it, the key to it is in the pre-talk, is actually in educating the client or the patient. Uh, and that way I know exactly what's going to ha- happen in one of those sessions and I know how long it's going to take. Uh, so that yeah. way I know I can fit it into that space of time. So, so that, yes. that's probably one of my really go-to techniques, which again is something that, that I teach on, on all my training courses and things.
0: I um, love that. So if anybody is out there and they are wanting to learn um, this kind of treatment and, and, you know, I find that, you know, coaches, especially a lot of the ones that I'm dealing with these days, it's usually the ones that, you know, whatever your pain is, it's like I've got a motto and that is turn the pain of your story into your greatest glory. Um, so, you know, if, if there is someone out there that would love to learn um, some of Gary's techniques, I'm going to ask Gary to give us a little bit of an idea of how we can get hold of you um, and also get you to drop a link into the comments as well. Um, amazing what you said about a hybrid because that's, that's a very similar process um, that where I, I myself have weaved so many of the different techniques rather than just using one just flowing uh, a few of the best techniques and bringing them together which is absolutely amazing so gary how can people get in contact with you um, if they would like to make contact with you about this
1: uh yep yeah, well, we have the the oncology website the hypno-oncology website and that's www Hypno, And do you say dash or hyphen in Australia? Because I got, I got told off in the States because in the UK we'd say hyphen. In, in the States, they say dash. <laughs> so,
0: um, we say,
1: I, I say dash. Right, okay. So so yeah. the, the website is www.hypno-oncology.com. That is uh, some more interviews, lots of information uh, about what's going on. Um, I do learn courses, but obviously they've been curtailed somewhat. Um, But due to demand, I did do a Zoom course. And due to the time difference, I had people from your part of the world that actually wanted it on catch up anyway. Um, So that is actually still available. And that's uh, hypno-oncology.com slash live. Um, That is a a catch up course. Uh, um, It also allows you into a private Facebook group. Uh, which has lots more demonstrations, videos, and so on. So, uh, all in all, that it probably includes about two hundred and fifty, three hundred pages of text, uh, scripts, techniques, um, and also around the, um, including in the Facebook group that I think there's about eleven or twelve hours of audio and video as well. So, there's quite a lot there. Uh, amazing. As I was coinciding it with conferences and things, uh, at the moment um, it's actually available at half price if anybody wants to do the catch up. Yeah. So, so. Wow. Okay, did
0: did you guys hear that? I think somebody can drop that into the comments. Um, So that is now uh, at half price, so you're not going to want to miss that. And, look, there is so many, so much more I'd love to ask you, Um, and yet um, time is not on my side. I've I've got my next call now. So I would like you to, what would be your last words, like, as far as, If you were on the spot and you needed to say something to someone out there that was in suffering to bring them, you know, I guess what you bring, the best of what you bring, what would you say to them?
1: Uh, Again, it it would be down to each individual person that's in front of me because, again, it's all very well saying they're suffering, but are they suffering because they've just been diagnosed? Are they suffering because they're in pain? Are they suffering because... They've got nausea from a side effect, so again, it would be dependent on on the person uh, that I'm dealing with. But another another tip that I would give to practitioners in that case, uh, which uh, another big area, as I mentioned, people say, what can I do for them? Which we've covered as well. Ask them. Uh, Another big thing is that um, the word cancer is very emotive. And one of the biggest problems that cancer patients have is in social interaction and it's not their social interaction it's other people other people don't know how to talk to them they're they're frightened of saying the wrong thing or saying yes. something inappropriate or mm. I, I mean the worst thing you can say to a cancer patient if they say i've just been diagnosed with with cancer probably the worst thing you can say to them is oh i'm so sorry they hate hearing
2: they know
0: don't they they don't have to they probably yep. don't need to to hear that and, and I think people do, you're right, people kind of shy away and yeah. they don't know what to say yeah. when somebody is in in such a um, a situation. And you know, I guess I love the fact that you do meet people where they're they're at. So yeah. the the question that I would ask to the audience and, and I, I mean this sort of across the board, you know, if if you could bring change to one area of your life that would bring you the ultimate peace right now, that would give you the kind of uh, inner, that inner restoration and that deep feeling of inner peace and bliss, what would it be? What do you need right now? What is it that you need? Do you need to feel, hey, not that I'm giving choices but I'm just giving examples. Do you need to feel a sense of faith? Do you need to feel a sense of peace? Do you need to feel a sense of love? And, you know, it could be something else, but that's just an example. So I tend to kind of ask people, you know, I'm that person. I I, I love to ask those questions. Hence why I love doing broadcasts and podcasts here. So, Gary, I'm going to see you next week. Mm-hmm. Um, as you're one of our star uh, players that is going to be speaking on this um, topic that is most, uh, I feel that it's a category of its own. And mm-hmm. I just want to really thank you for your time. And mm-hmm. I would invite you to, to put your, you know, your link down into the comments so that if anybody wants to get in contact with Gary, please don't hesitate And um, any last words before we say
1: bye? Uh, Yeah, I would say the last one, going back to communication, about communicate with patients exactly as you would a normal human being. You know, they've got cancer. They, they, They haven't changed. Their mind hasn't changed. Okay, the mindset might have done. But as a person, they have not changed. They're still the same person in front of you as they were before they were diagnosed. And the other thing in the social side is laughter. Laughter is a great healer. And people stop laughing with cancer patients because they don't know what to say. They're frightened of saying something inappropriate. If you've got a cancer patient with a dark sense of humor, still go with it. They haven't changed. They'll still find things funny. You know, I've got cancer patients where we'll laugh about death and dark situations because that's the type Mm -hmm. of person they are. So, so that is a
0: normal, don't they? I mean, it's, yeah. uh, you know, it's, it's a, that's actually a, a really, it's something unusual about myself that I've always been able to do. Um, I'll give you an example. I was uh, going to visit somebody in hospital, and there was a lady that was walking in front of me with her carer, and she had sticks for legs.
2: Yeah.
0: And um, basically, I went up to her and I went, wow. That's amazing, you know, Where, where, how, how on earth did you, you know, manage to, you know, get to walk in those sticks? And you know what? Her carer just gave me the biggest thumbs up because all of a sudden somebody just came along very brashly and boldly and presently and just said it like it was. Yeah, and you, yeah. Know, you saw this big relief come over the person's face, but that only just got them. That lady had only just got them like in the last week, and I think the 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 one thing she was afraid of is that people cringing, shying away, not knowing what to say. So I, I really hear what you mean when you say treat people and communicate with them, you know, as normal, and laughter, of course, being the best medicine.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Perfect. So yeah, so
1: that I would like to leave with that and, and obviously just remind people hitmo uh, hypno oncology.com slash live if anyone wants the, the half price training while it's still available
2: online.
0: I I respect your credibility and you know obviously also your the fact that your ethic as well to um you know make it very clear that when you know you're not here to heal, cure or do anything like that. Um, and yet, to bring so much, um, you know, to people that are in that position. So, thank you so much, Gary. Can you just wait backstage for me, yep. and I'll just say goodbye yep. to our audience. Thank yep. you. Wow, isn't that amazing? And so, you know, as a coach, I see lots of different niches. Isn't that a terrible word, niche? <laughs> but that is truly an original if I've ever known it. So there you go. If you would like to get in contact with Gary, he will leave um, his website uh, a link in the comments and you can be in contact. If you have a special uh, gift that you would like to present to your audience, if you are a coach, a healer, a leader, an influencer and you would like to be interviewed, I would ask you to get in contact with me. I will put my link down in the comments as well. And maybe you want to find your mission, vision or purpose. So if that is you, maybe because when you find your mission and vision and purpose, your whole life will change. It's it's just a true fact of life. It's just something about when you're living according to your God given purpose. So, my name is Terry Messenger. Thank you for sharing space, and I will see you guys
2: again.